Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Happiness in Humans. My name is Matt Phelan and I'm here with Karen. How are you doing Karen? Hello, good morning, I'm good. You're back Karen. Karen Robinson is back for those uh, previous listeners. Um, Karen, please, for those that haven't listened before uh, to our podcast, please introduce yourself. Thanks Matt. So um, I am the founder of The Flockist. That's my small business working with people who really want to disrupt leadership and the way that organize organizations run and maybe want to change change the culture in their team work with the dynamics in their team a bit better so i coach people i train people i facilitate groups of people to have really bold conversations that help them make this important decisions or help them make changes um and so that's a bit about my work. Before you, um, before you go on, Karen, to the next bit, yeah. you said the word disrupt, like with a real smile and a real happiness. <laughs> like what is what is it about that? There's, there's something in there, isn't there? I can sense there's something about disruption that you really like. I love that you'd noticed that because when I said it, I thought I want to come back to this too because people often hear the word disruptive and think it's a bad thing. And I think disruption's a brilliant thing. Like yeah. you can't make food and you know i love cooking without disrupting things right if you make a stew you gotta stir it if you make porridge you gotta stir it right disruption is positive it unlocks the energy indifference actually and um unlocking the energy indifference is something that comes from my human systems dynamics training um so why do i smile when i say disruption because i would say i am a disruptive person i enjoy the process of questioning things people systems how it's always been done i really i i'm not in a not in a spiteful way not in like not rubbing my hands together like i'm causing chaos <laughs> but like i enjoy the process of being like mm, okay does this work for what we're doing right now does yeah. this policy match the context does the does the way it's always been done serve the situation i'm in now I just my brain just naturally goes to that place and I'm quite comfortable with questioning it so so disruption I suppose is a language I've like it's a bit of a label it's you know it's something I've kind of heard other people reflect back to me I see it as a positive of course sometimes what it creates is a is a difficulty or a tension mm. which I'm really comfortable with because I again I see that as a positive like you're you've got to kind of get under the surface of something yeah. to change it or to understand it. And I, and, and, and I think, and I really enjoy the process of working with a person or a team to help them put them at ease about that discomfort and, and kind of like go, it's okay. Like we can be sensitive and human and kind to one another while we are disrupting something or while we're holding the tension of, is this fit for function or yeah we actually need to change something i really enjoy that process in people especially when they're like scared of disruption or they're scared of change and then they move into that place of like oh okay actually we yeah. could change something here i love that because you, you you're not disrupting for the sake of it you're disrupting for the journey to to move things forward that's that's what I take from that. Is that fair or have I misunderstood that, Karen? That's exactly fair. And I often see that as my role. When I'm in a team, that's often the role I play. When I'm in a group, that's the role I often play. Um, it can be tiring for me. It can be tiring for other people. 
Yeah. You know, like if I'm with a person who just wants to crack on, just give me instructions and let me crack on. I can be I can be a person that irritates that individual because I'm like, hold on. Just just because that's the way it's always been done. Is that right for now? Like I, I can put the brakes on something and say, let's tear it apart before we proceed. Um, and I'm really comfortable with that sort of yeah. what what comes next. But yes, it's definitely not something I do out of uh malice or just for the sake of it yeah i didn't we didn't we didn't think that of you karen anyway but <laughs> if, if someone was listening and they and they 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 felt like actually you know what my business my organization myself might need a bit of disruption maybe we're a bit stuck we could do with some of that helping us move forward um how, what's the best how, how do you work with you karen how, like what how does the organization and, and your new work so um so the organization is me it's just me i sometimes bring in co-facilitators i have trusted people that i work with if i'm facilitating training or group conversations if i coach people that's one-to-one -one. um anyone can go to the um and look at my website and contact me through that um or find me on linkedin or something and contact me that way but essentially if someone is listening to this thinking yeah we could do with a bit of that I, the, the things that I offer tend to be quite bespoke because people will hear me on something like this, contact me and say, right, I've got a team, there's, you know, I've got a team within an organization that's a bit stuck in the past. Yeah. I'm trying to get ABC done, but I'm, but the team is like struggling to adapt to a different way of working that's causing tension what can you do and essentially what i can offer in that situation is either to work coach that individual one-to-one -to, -one to help them manage the situation themselves yeah um i can come in and do things like you know facilitate group conversations once or over a period of you know sessions to help unlock the potential in that situation to help have the like the difficult conversations that need to be had, but in a facilitated way. Yeah. And I can blend into that some sort of training or or you know learning that helps people get comfortable with adaptability. Yeah. Um and yeah and and change and disruption. Love it. Karen and also sorry Karen. I was just gonna say if I knew I was going into a group that was nervous about change, I probably wouldn't be using language like disruption. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's a yeah. They're not ready. They're potentially not ready for that yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I also want to share some advice that Karen gave me earlier because I, I've been on a bit of a speaking tour, talking about our research all, all around the country, and I just had a, like a zone out moment this morning where I didn't even know where I was. And Karen, um, can you give the can you give the advice to the listeners that you gave about planning your life? I just absolutely loved it. I'll never forget it. If that's okay, if you'd share that. Yeah, sure. Uh, my advice to, to my clients is plan your life like Mariah Carey. And the context of that is you were saying, you know, you pour your energy into, you know, you've had a busy week of presentations and talks and things where you've had yeah. to, you know, like you've had a gig day, right? That's like, yeah. that's, you've had a series. I've never, I've never thought of it like that, but now it's a good way of picturing <laughs> it in your head. Yeah, that's you at Wembley, right? Like Mariah. And when that that energy gets burned up right it's not infinite so I wouldn't I'm not surprised to hear that you might arrive at the end of a week like that in a conversation like like this one a bit tired and a bit exhausted and you're not coming across that way 
but yeah. you know that 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 would be that would be completely fair and reasonable and what i say to people is if you plan your working and personal life like mariah carey then what you can spot is right i've got a gig on wednesday and that gig is presentation to the board yeah then then the next day i've got to have a really tricky disciplinary conversation with a member of staff but in the evening i'm going on a date with my partner who i haven't spent any quality time with for the last two weeks all of those three things are critical to me so how do i manage my life around it yeah. so that i so that my energy isn't burned up before i get into any of those important conversations meetings presentations yeah and that looks like you know rest time what tasks am i doing before and after in the same way that mariah carey rests her voice in the same way that the england team who are going out to play the usa tonight because that's the day yeah. we're recording for the world cup they are not going for a run today like you did yeah. they're resting their legs for tonight and that's been planned yeah. in because tonight is gig day yeah love it yeah such a good way of looking at it and the funny thing is this is going to go out in 2023 so when you listen to this, England might be world champions. We might have won the World Cup. Oh my goodness! What's your prediction? Will we? Um, if you listen, I kind of got to say we will because if we do, I want to people go. Oh, I had, yeah, Matt, Matt predicted that. Um, but <laughs> I, if I put, if I had to put money on it, I would probably say semi-finals. If I was okay. if, I, if I was putting money on it, if I if I just dream, I I do think it looks like we can win. But Brazil look really good at the moment. Who knows? Who knows? I'll take your word for it. I don't what know. Are you going for, what are you going for? So we can we can listen back and work out whether we were right or wrong. On it, Matt, I'm just going to copy you. I'm a football voyeur. I'm just there because it's fun to watch the national team play. <laughs> so if you say we're getting through to the semi-final, I trust your assessment. Yeah. Cool. Well, <laughs> I, 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 you're probably going to be totally wrong. I've got Portugal in the sweepstakes, so that, though. So there's a backup plan there. <laughs> cool. Um, also, Karen, before we go in, you've um, even though we we're recording today um, in a nice sunny November, we were supposed to be recording a week or so ago. And there was a, there was a part of why we're not recording that you wanted to share with the audience that you, you felt was important. If you, for those um, that are listening, Karen and I had to reschedule this because Karen had some stuff going on, on, on in her personal life. And Karen just wanted to share that, that story with us today. Yeah. So I very sadly found out on the day that we were going to record that one of my favourite teachers, one, my English teacher, when I was at the Brit school, um, she, she was called Elaine Nelson and she passed away very suddenly and unexpectedly. Um, and she was really special to me. And I'm sure like lots of people can reflect on an adult who was really profound in your life. Maybe it was a coach, sports coach or a teacher or a member of your extended family. She was really special to me and 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 so I'm sure lots of people can relate to that in general. But in the context of this conversation about feedback, she was an incredible feedback giver. And I, I cancelled the podcast or I postponed the podcast interview to today. And then as I was reflecting on her, on Miss Nelson, I was, you know, sharing stories with other friends from school and, and I got out my old school reports from her and I started to realise, actually, isn't that interesting that we are having a conversation about feedback and actually one yeah. of my favourite memories of her is that she gave positive and difficult, hard feedback really brilliantly. Yeah. And it came up in a conversation with a friend, so another friend of mine who went to the school I said to her, oh, my God, I've just opened up my old school reports and there's one that's absolutely brutal 
from her yeah. where she's like, I'm really disappointed in Karen's exam results. She can do better than this and she needs to knuckle down and do better. And yeah. I said, it's really made me smile because actually the, the harshness of hearing her disappointment, actually I hear as an act of love and care because she wanted the best for me and I knew that about her and she demonstrated that to me every single time I was with her and throughout you know the four years that she taught me and my mate was like oh my god I, I've been thinking about exactly the same thing and my mate had had this really profound memory of she's the only teacher who actually shared I'm disappointed in you she was the only yeah. teacher who said that, that had, had this profound effect on her and helped her like change direction and do better and I just thought that was really beautiful that in the context of me needing to postpone this that actually she's kind of still giving that gift of feedback now yeah in me passing that on to you what's fascinating about that if we some of the research that i shared at the tedx in brighton around how emotions drive relationships relationships drive happiness and happiness drives performance that what we say that one of the dangers of toxic positivity is is that you know if you only ever share good stuff you never and you don't ever share your feelings in any relationship you don't form an actual real relationship that that can stand yeah. time so interestingly she has shared what someone might have labeled as a negative emotion but she's actually just it's, it's almost a compliment in the same time isn't she she believes in you and she's just yeah. saying that if you've slacked off a bit here with a bit more hard work you could you could she, she wants you to reach your potential effectively mm -hmm. does but and that has meant that that relationship even though you might not have seen her has, has stood the test of time yep exactly that exactly that and i think it's such a gift i i'm a bit mistrusting of people that are too positive and gushing around me or about me because because for example and we talked about this before i know that i'm a person that sometimes can leave people feeling intimidated i'm disruptive i i can slow things down because i'll question and yeah. challenge authority and all of those things i just can't i can't believe that all you would have to say is positive things about me and actually yeah. if i haven't ruffled your feathers a bit i'm probably i'm probably not being my authentic self either yeah. so that kind of so that really rings true for me what you're saying there that it can't it can't all be positive and there's probably there's probably someone suppressing something. Yeah. If it's too positive or yeah. two people suppressing something. This is, this is why we always say, I always <laughs> open with, I've never met a company with all happy employees and I've never met a human being that's all happy. It's just, it's not real. It's not, no. it's not life. And if it, if you hide too much of it away, the minutes and bad times come. And I always people get people to reflect on their own personal lives. If you're, in a relationship with someone you've owned and you've started that relationship and you only had the good times you don't actually know whether you're going to get through something rough yet because the bad times are also what make you the rough the rough times and things happen and some relationships just suddenly break up the minute there's a tiny little bit of wind <laughs> and that's yeah. just that's just not life is it that's not that's, you can't have fair weather friends or fair weather relationships there's there's a lot going on in people's lives do you know what? As you were saying that, I was th that this. It reminds me of what I was saying earlier about the energy indifference, because 
you know, you know those times when you either you're angry and you let that be expressed or you're sad and you let that be expressed. Mm-hmm. So I know that I tend to feel relief after I cry, for example. And not everyone's a crier and not everyone, you know, yeah. can access tears or, or expresses sadness or anger in that way. But however you express it, I'm sure I, I hope that people can relate to that sort of expression of something that's quite difficult and heavy can then lead to that relief or like or a strengthening of a relationship yeah that's the energy indifference right because if i if i if i just try and suppress that anger or that sadness and by the way i'm saying this like i'm an expert at it and i'm really not like i'm this is my life's journey is to try and express myself more often and more fully so i'm very much a student of my own advice here um but if I'm suppressing that and I'm and I'm trying to sustain this happiness and contentedness all the time, yeah, all that energy's got nowhere to go. Yeah. And we know from you know all the evidence how our body internalizes that and we get ill and unwell and and sad and depressed and all of that. But I can unlock the energy in that by releasing it and and putting it out into the world and be brave being brave enough to say something like, Matt, I'm really angry, feeling really yeah. angry in this moment. Yeah. And I just express that. Yeah. That might allow us to get through and have a phenomenal conversation after I've expressed my anger. Yep. And that's, and that's the energy indifference. And that has to be psychological safety in place for that to happen. Because if you totally fear someone, you're not going to say that. We I had a situation with um our HR team yesterday, Gemma and Laura. We were talking about a hyper- hypothetical that we found so funny that we actually laughed so much that we cried. We're <laughs> we're we're trying to create a more inclusive Christmas party that's not just based around alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we created a hypothetical in our head that we were going to get feedback. We were imagining that we might get some feedback that someone would directly say that one of us had cancelled Christmas and that someone was going to call us a Grinch. And the thought of a magic, because we're trying to do a good thing, we're mm-hmm. trying to create an inclusive Christmas. But obviously, there's also a sc- lots of people who love a traditional Christmas. Yeah. But we, we created the hypothetical in our head that we were going to get loads of feedback saying we'd cancelled Christmas. Um, but we actually cried and laughed at the same time. Like Gemma and I actually had tears coming out. <laughs> it was just a release. It was a release of tension, really, because we were trying to work on something quite complex, which is how yeah. do we not do what we've always done? How do we not say that it's that you're trying to balance loads of things, aren't you, all into one? Because you've got loads of people who just want to have a massive party and get drunk. We've got people for religious reasons that can't drink. We've got people like me that don't drink. So we're trying and we're trying to create this inclusive Christmas party in between the 10 to 4 period. So it doesn't um, so all parents can come and all that kind of stuff. But we just it, it leads us on. To, let's we would get a bit into the subject of actual feedback. But it, we were actually hypothetic. We were actually talking about the negative feedback that we were going to get about cancelling Christmas. But we'll talk about that another day. Let's get on to this research interview. Um, so for the listeners, um, just a reminder, we're recording research interviews for my new book, Freedom to Be Human, which is code name at the moment because it might get changed. There's a some there was actually a proposal we might actually just call it the happiness index, which we'd never considered before. Um, that came from the publisher. We were like, oh, that's a good idea. Can't believe we never thought of that. Um, so as we know, um, happiness is what the heart needs. Engagement is what the brain needs. Um, and something that we talk about a lot on this podcast one of the uh, top four drivers of happiness in in our in our model um, in our hierarchy of happiness and engagement is acknowledgement within acknowledgement fits recognition being listened to and feedback so 
we'll start start broadly on acknowledgement and go in but i've asked karen um to specifically come on and talk about feedback today if you want to scroll back um karen and i did a, a podcast on the 7th of february blimey um yeah yeah 38 minutes we're banging on for if you want to, anyone wants to listen to that it's a brilliant podcast so i've invited karen back where we talked about leadership and feedback so um we'll just talk with the we'll just talk briefly about the 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 acknowledgement part um acknowledgement fits into an emotional uh, brain type is how we so we are talking about emotions today so what does acknowledgement mean to you karen acknowledgement means to me um naming or making explicit something that is real for me or something that i've heard you say is real for you Correct. Yeah. so like when i say real for me that might be me acknowledging so a working example today might be i need to acknowledge that when i talk about miss nelson my english teacher today i might get choked up and emotional yeah i'm naming that i mean i'm acknowledging it that's my reality losing her was very recent i want you to know that i want listeners to know that so i'm naming it yeah. acknowledging something that's real for you i think we, i think we did that when we got on this call and you said to me oh i've had to rush you know like yeah i've had a busy week and all of that and me acknowledging that is is me going yeah that sounds like You've had the, you know, you've had the morning that you you needed to have, and I'm glad you're here. And have you got what you need? And like, I'm acknowledging that that's your reality by yeah. saying it out loud. So that's that's what acknowledgement means to me. It's it's explicit. It's active. Yeah. Before we go into feedback, I just want to touch on leadership again. I know it was the previous podcast, but I had an interesting thing in one of the um, sessions this week on the speaking tour. There was there was a guy that actually enjoyed i'll paint the picture for you there's about 20 people in the room and when you start a talk you can sort of see different versions of people's body language some people are ready to embrace it mm. this guy was the absolute stereotype and that's why I, I will give the stereotype because it was what i was thinking in my head i'll be i'm just going to be honest yeah. he had his arms crossed looked like he wanted to punch me in the face and he was um exactly what everyone's stereotype of um a, an older yorkshire man a guy from yorkshire you'd imagine him to open cricket for like yorkshire is this <laughs> is that type of guy like and i'm being honest that is the stereotype that i put on him and as as time went on he start less had his um arms folded he looked less like he wanted to punch me in the face i was wearing a velvet jacket so it was like he was even thinking god who is this guy um, but as time went on, I could see that he was starting to listen more and more. And mm -hmm. to so much so that when we were talking about acknowledgement, he admitted at the end that he's the CEO of the organization and he feels unhappy because his employees don't acknowledge him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really fascinating because I could definitely think he went from who is this guy from London in his velvet jacket to hearing the research and the data to think, oh, okay, this guy's not here just to give me. A load of spill he's actually just sharing some data and it was it was nice to see that in, mm -hmm. to see that in his face to, for us to build trust because he didn't know who i was um and he obviously that probably stereotyped me as well 
um and that's why stereotypes can be so dangerous he i think he was stereotyping me and vice versa mm-hmm. and i'll tell him that we discussed this on the podcast as well um, and he actually came to the, the next session the next day as well which was amazing but i just found that fascinating because we talked about leaders like he's unhappy as a leader because he doesn't get acknowledgement he didn't feel like he got acknowledgement from his team like so it's a very human thing at all levels do you, any thoughts on that karen yeah thanks for sharing that that's a really interesting story it makes me think of a few things this so i agree with you about the humanity of that this is this has come up in conversations for me quite a bit recently actually that that our humanity our needs our feelings don't stop or change according to our level of authority or responsibility within an organization but how they are experienced by other people how how we how we get those needs met yep. can be quite harmful if we don't keep that contained and in check yeah if we have more responsibility and more power within any organization so i hear that with two things i hear that of of course he's human of course he's human and he has needs yeah um and and clearly for him acknowledgement is one of them which interestingly wouldn't be true for everyone right some people depending on depending on how we define acknowledgement might be like i don't need that i don't need to hear it i don't need it to be made explicit if we use my definition earlier um but then there's something about like he's also in a position of power and i'm curious i wonder if he recognizes that it's on him as the person as the ceo to yeah. make more effort to create an environment in which he can hear what he needs to hear from people yeah and i'm also really curious about how much acknowledgement is he giving to other people or is he a bit distracted by his own need for it yeah such that actually he's sort of like centering his own needs and miffed that he's not getting acknowledgement but yeah. forgetting that but you're the ceo mate like yeah. people are people need acknowledgement from you and you're going to have to work really hard to get them to open up yeah i'll invite him on i'll invite him on it was um it's interesting because once he said it out loud he looked like lighter in himself because mm-hmm. everyone else in the room acknowledged that that is an acceptable thing for him to feel mm-hmm. to go thing like of letting the emotion out like he said and it was, it was quite interesting actually someone said it on his behalf he didn't actually say yeah. the words himself he said it to someone else and then gave that person permission to tell the group but once that person had said it it was like you could just see it was so lighter then i met him the next morning smiling his back mm-hmm. like, just to get that that point around acknowledgement on there so Let's go into feedback. Um, what is feedback? Hmm. Oh, I th- I think everything's feedback. I say to my clients all the time, everything's data. Yeah. Everything that's going on around you is data. Fe- and 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 so uh, feedback is data, right? How, how your body language is data is feedback. How we're yeah. conversing. The fact that you've invited me back on this podcast is a bit of feedback in itself. If I choose, if I choose to, if I choose to intentionally think of it that way, yeah. there's an inherent, there's an inherent bit of feedback and data in there. If I want to know more, I, I might need to ask for it. But the action of you inviting me back for a second time tells me something. Yeah. Um. So 
at its purest level, I would say feedback is not just someone going, hey, can I give you some feedback? Yeah. Or you sending around an email saying, can I have some feedback on something I did yesterday? I think feedback exists everywhere. You got feedback from that guy in the audience with his folded arms. He was communicating something to you in yeah. his silence, in his body language, in it, you know, in all of those things. And that communication changed. And what you did was tune into it, read it, respond to it, and adapt to it. Yeah. And clearly, so did the people around him, which helped to unlock what was going on bef behind that. Yeah. So yeah. I would say fe feedback exists in so many more places than we necessarily realize. Um, and actually, when we hold positions of power or authority, we need to be looking for them. We need to be looking in those other ways. We, we talked about this last time, how the more power you have, the less people are going to proactively give you feedback. And and also the feedback that you do get is going to exist at either end of the spectrum. It's either going to be the people who are furious with you or the people who are like, wow, they're in awe of you. Like, wow, you're amazing. All the like really, truly useful, interesting stuff does, doesn't get intentionally shared. Yeah. Is who's going to walk up to you just proactively and be like, Matt, can I give you some feedback on that? I don't know, email you sent around yesterday. It, you'd, you've got to work really hard to create an environment where people are going to feel comfortable to do that. And you can, you and the guy that was in your audience can actually cut through it by asking yeah. for it and saying, just ask people. Yeah. So, and it was a good point. I just want to point out this point on the power dynamic that people, leaders have to have to remember in their head, which is you pay that person. And you can yeah. be the most chilled out, forward thinking, done all the books, read everything about how to be the greatest leader in the world. But you still pay that person. Yeah. So you may be like, I can accept any feedback in the world. I'm chill about it. But subconsciously, you pay that person. And there is going to be some, no matter how much psychological safety you have created, there has to be a way that people can feedback anonymously as well because there is an element that people will fear you control their life in a, in some respect because if you yeah. don't if you like that feedback and you got rid of that person because unfortunately in the world we live in if you do want to fire someone even though there's a law the worst companies in the world find a way to get rid of someone yes um, and, and, there's, and i always i'm just saying for people when it comes to feedback to remember the power dynamic exists and the, the power dynamics feed across mm -hmm. everything from gender through. But as a core fact is if you pay someone, you have power over them no matter how flat your structure is. Definitely. And, I, and a, a conversation about power dynamics cannot be had without mentioning, you know, a systems of oppression and marginalization. Yeah. You, you, may, you may do everything within your power to create that psychological safety, but you are interacting with a person whose experience of the world is that they can't assume that 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 is safe that no matter how hard you work that their experience in the world is that i will be harmed i will be let down i will be pushed out i'll be hurt and and this is where i think feedback and acknowledgement are linked because um because what you can do in that situation is name that difference name yeah. that, that difference in experience that you have yeah and invite and 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 
co-create with that person a yeah. way of what what's the best method actually for me understanding yeah. what you need from me and not expecting that actually once i've worked really once i've done what i think is right to create psychological safety i can kind of sit back and anyone who opts out well that's your problem yeah no actually yeah. there's a there's another step to it which is that some people don't necessarily need to believe you and that you know you might have worked with them for 10 years and they're still they still for the sake of their own survival operate in a guarded way or don't yeah. trust people who are white or people who are cisgender or or you know yeah. and, and have every reason to need to live by those survival strategies so actually in in those situations we need to take an extra step work even harder to say um you know i I'm limited in my understanding of your experience as a queer person in this organization, as a black person in this organization. I don't know what it's like for you to be asked to give me feedback in that context. Yeah. So what, so what do you need from me for us to have a relationship that allows me to hear from you if I'm doing something that isn't working for you or, you know, and, and also, that I do want your opinion. I do want your opinion on my presentation or my email. Yeah. Like, don't ju I'm, I want to create an environment where you can tell me if I've stepped out of line, but I also really yeah. want your opinion on like what's going well and what's not going well. Yeah. I'm prepared to work. I'm prepared to create a contract with you and an agreement with you that allows you to, to do that. What yeah. do you need from me to have that trust? This came up in the in the trust section actually. Um, Phil, yeah. who's talked about, I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact story, but we uh, listeners can can find it out. But he effectively had an employee, um, a, a black woman, and he is a white male, and they were talking about feedback, and she gave him the feedback. She she just openly said, which I thought was brilliant. I've had bad experiences working with white men at work. And it's just going to take me a bit of while to trust you. <laughs> wow. And I just, I just thought, wow, that, that's that for me. That is a culture of openness that she can say that, and he accepted that because she, she's not, she's just acknowledging her her history to him, which helps him understand her more. So you could get everyone could get upset about that conversation, but for me, that is a that means is there's an element of psychological safety there where they're both saying we've got our pasts um we're acknowledging it and we want to work towards trust but she's saying it's going to take a bit of time and i just thought that was a wonderful conversation it sounds wonderful and it also sounds really unique and i hope that anyone listening to this recognizes how unique that is that actually that black woman took a risk in doing that a big risk and and it shouldn't be a risk but yeah. that that nevertheless the onus is still on the person it, it then that because just because she chose to take that risk doesn't mean that for everyone else it's not on us yeah. to name that and invite that and create the conditions for that to be yeah. for that to be said but that's thank you for sharing it that's a that's a great story I, I even had someone i hired that i recommended we hire um who would describe himself as non-binary and, and in the interview they they actually gave me feedback that something i had said could be deemed as a microaggression mm -hmm. I don't didn't take it as aggressive because I've got to know you over the 
purpose of this interview but she said can i give you the feedback and, I, and she talked me through it i actually knowing i can't remember the exact example but i just felt like wow brilliant i can work with you because you just made me aware of it and i learned from it to, to and it led to me actually putting my pronouns um on linkedin because i thought actually yeah that was important that was important to that yeah. person and actually i get that I, I can learn from that um if she hadn't if I hadn't been given that feedback, um, I wouldn't have learned from it. And what's nice about that, and I think this that that example, I think, links to feedback in the sense of if someone gifts you some feedback like yeah. that, that is quite a gift. How how you then show and be accountable for what you do with that is quite is is also really important. Like the the relationship and 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 doesn't stop there. And clearly it didn't because you responded and you did some, you know, you you made a change in the world. Um, I also think there's something about I, I the sort of phrase that comes in my head is like all feedback is not equal. Yeah. Because in that case, that's a gift of feedback. My my teacher, who I had a relationship with over four years, you know, gave me all sorts of different feedback in the context of our teacher-student relationship, some of which was quite hard to hear, some of which really shaped, you know, my expression as a writer or a reader. Um, but all, all feedback is not equal, right? And I think that we talked about this a little bit last time I remember, but I've been doing some more thinking about it. So when when I say, like, we need to name and acknowledge you know who we are or the limitations of our experience i also think we need to think about that in terms of who we're getting feedback from so that we're so that we're not just taking if 10 people lined up and gave me some feedback and one of them's my english teacher and one of them's you and one of them's someone i've just met yeah i need to take into consideration you know who are you what do i know about you what life, what lived experience do you have that is relevant to the feedback that you're giving me? So I, true. I, I, I think that it's very easy, and I and I I work with clients on this a lot, where someone's given them a piece of feedback, and it's like they've just taken it as though it's fact, instead of being critical and curious about who is this person that's saying this though and what's their behavior like what do you know about their beliefs and values what do you know about their experience in the world and how that relates to the context of the feedback and you karen how do you because i i totally agree with that it would be like like me trying to give you feedback on how to be a woman like if I tried to give you feedback, it's just totally, I've got, it's just be totally useless feedback, right? Yeah. But let's take a, how do you know if you're being critical of the source or if you're um, not accepting of feedback? Because the two could easily get mixed up, couldn't they? Let's say, let's say, um, I don't know. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Like how, so source being the person so am i because there's some people who just dismiss all feedback isn't they they're just like well that's just a load of rubbish how do we get like because i basically i get what you're saying and agree with it not all feedback is equal we've got to look at the source and there's extreme examples where people are giving feedback on something they don't know 
Um, football, we're in the World Cup, aren't we? Football fans do it all the time. Everyone thinks they can tell <laughs> Southgate who he, who he should be picking, right? But they've got to be ignored because they're not there. Um, but what if it is, how do we know we're not just dismissing it? Mm, that's a great question. When we're receiving feedback, well, I think that that's that's a, that's a good question and that's really got me thinking. How do we know if we're dismissing it? I think we have to pay attention to our feelings. Yeah. So if you gave me let's let's not use the example you just gave because it's yeah. quite that's quite an extreme one. Yeah. If you come to me but let's let's use a linked one. Let's say I work with you and since since you brought up our gender difference, let's stay with yeah. gender difference. But let's say you said to me, Karen, I never, I never hear you speaking in meetings. I want to yeah. hear you speak more in meetings, which is a classic that comes up in my coaching relationships all the time. I've been asked to speak more in meetings. So you're saying to me, here's my feedback for you. You're too silent in meetings. I want to hear more from you. Yeah. Um, so how do I check whether I'm just being dismissive? So if that makes me feel defensive. Yeah then I need to be in I'm going to need to be in tune with my feelings to recognize that that's what I'm feeling yeah yeah um in that situation depending on our relationship there might be a part if you're giving me that feedback you're probably my boss or you're a colleague who has been invited to give me feedback you're if the room that we're going into is full of men or largely full of men or has quite a kind of masculine values conversations and i'm using that loosely because i don't i hope i hope you follow where i'm going here oh, masculine, definition of masculinity is wide and broad and huge but yeah let's you know if all the conversations are very similar and i don't feel like actually i can express my gender in that yeah. space that is relevant that might be the cause of my defensiveness because i might be sat there being like are you kidding me yeah <laughs> you want yeah. me to speak more in this meeting yeah. but I don't feel welcome to show up and express myself as who I am in this meeting. So before I can even speak, before I can respond to things, I've got to get over the barrier of like, I feel like an outsider in this room. I don't feel welcome or I feel threatened and intimidated in this space. So that might be the cause of my defensiveness. I think I'm straying slightly from your question. I think, Karen, before you do bring it back, I think there's an important point there that I think that in that scenario, that would create for me a really nourishing conversation because that's where it becomes two way. Because the person, let's say I had given you that feedback, you could be, you're then saying to me, yeah, but there's a, there's a cultural issue here as well. So then if I wasn't aware of that as a male, I could be like, okay, actually, you know what? There's some stuff we've got to fix here as well. So there's some stuff at the source that we need to address. Um, so that for me, that's a piece of feedback that would have turned into what I would say a really important conversation that both people can learn from. Yes. And that's because you're someone who's open to hearing things like that. And I and I suspect that's because you're someone who's already got some understanding and awareness of how gender dynamics and, and power dynamics play out in a room. Right. But for me, so I probably would say that to you, like yeah. if I did work for you and that did happen, I. I don't know you that well, but I know enough already from our conversations that I would feel able to say that to you. But there were there are people and there have been people in my career where I wouldn't say that. Mm. 
because I can't trust that it's going to be nourishing. And that's what I mean by the onus being on the feedback giver or the and or the person with power to name that difference. So if someone's listening to this, if there, if there is a man listening to this or a white person listening to this, thinking about a black or brown or um, person of colour in their organisation, that they're like, I really want to hear from you. Or a man thinking, I want to say to a woman, you know, speak up more in a meeting. I would encourage you to first ask a question before you give that feedback and say, what's it like for you in that meeting? I want to acknowledge that you're the only person of colour in that room. Oh, and I don't know what that's like for you. And I'm curious about whether your experience of whether I'm doing enough to support you being in that space or. That's, do you know what? I, the, I would even add to that, that how important it is. That's that's good advice for everyone, isn't it? Because if you if you think that you want to give someone some feedback directly about something, asking them about the context around it is really important, isn't it? Because if that was just a one-off of them, that person might have just been ill. The answer might be, they yeah. were Ill, you know what I mean? As in, why are you not speaking up? We're getting into the really serious stuff. But I, I really like asking questions as the process of feedback as well, because that's getting to you. To, you're understanding the context. You're basically understanding the context before you go in with the feedback. Exactly, and you're starting to get some. Some you're you're actually gathering consent as you go. Because yeah. I can also ask questions like, "Are you open to some feedback about this?" Yeah, I'm always and split. Actually, on, I'm always split on that one, Karen. Because okay. if someone says, if someone says to you, "Can I give you some feedback?" It's impossible to say no, isn't it? Like, it's, it's not impossible. It, no, sorry, it might be impossible for you. It's really difficult at that point to say. I've just never experienced someone say no, because even if you didn't want to accept feedback, you kind of have to say yes, don't you? I see what you're saying, but you know when that there's something about human relationships and consent and in there that feels important to me that yeah, if good... we make the assumption that it's impossible to say no, then we're actually assuming consent. And if yeah. we hold power in that relationship, that assumed consent could be really damaging. Yeah. So it's a little bit like if I, if I, you know, when, you know, when you're, I can't, I can't get this image out of my head now. You know, when you're in a bar or a restaurant and you've yeah. got a little bit left in your coffee. Yeah. And someone says, have you finished? Can I take that? Yeah. That's a big difference than when someone swipes it away and you oh, look up. Nothing worse than that. <laughs> Especially when you look at, I always think mathematically, sometimes it's like one fifth of the coffee and you just paid four pounds for the coffee in London. People are not to pay four pounds for coffee. I think that's, you know what, that's a really great way. That's a really great, great way of phrasing it. I just, it's just a humorous thing because people give me feedback all the time, negative and positive. And they all, because we're all being trained on feedback, they always ask. But I've just found it humorous in my head because in my head I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to say no. I've been no, on the training and, I, and I get it I really get that and I also think you know if you've made agreements with people around a culture of feedback where maybe you've you're in a the, the strength of the relationship and the nature of that means that that feedback is more free-flowing then may, yeah. maybe you don't need to get consent every I time my, I think my imagination's just gone too wild and I think we need to get back to the core here which I think you're right it just it is a, it, it's just like saying please isn't it it is just like how it's a good manners thing you should just do it like you shouldn't stop saying please just because you don't need to 
yeah and it signals to that you know you know we've talked we talk about psychological safety every time we meet it signals yeah. psychological safety because what i'm doing is i'm creating the opportunity for you to say no mm. so i also think it's important that you don't ask for consent if you have to give the feedback so if if a no wouldn't be acceptable then i would phrase it differently i would say i really need to give you some feedback about yeah. something that happened yesterday yeah, let's, take, let's take let's take bullying let's say there's okay. some feedback that someone's behavior came across as bullying i would put that in that in that bucket you're not asking for permission at this point right that, that needs to be said doesn't it exactly so i might say i need to give you some feedback about something that happened yesterday are you in a place to hear it now when can we do that where yeah i might even frame it with this might be difficult to hear so i want to check in around whether you want to do that now here and now in this space or should we go somewhere so i'm being really clear with you that i'm going to share it you don't have a choice in that but i'm giving you as much choice as i possibly can about where how when yeah um, that's good that that's a good distinction thanks for for breaking that out for us karen but you asked about people that don't want to take feedback i'm a bit stuck on it to be honest because i think because you can't control people right so if someone is if someone is gonna if feedback's gonna continuously bounce off of someone and not go anywhere every, if we go back to everything is data yeah okay then you've got some data about that person what i would do before i act on it is i'd name it i'd acknowledge yeah. it so i'd say matt i've noticed that on the i've given you these this feedback when i've given you feedback on these occasions this is how you know you've either shut me down and not wanted to hear it or you've avoided the conversation or you've said that you're listening but then nothing has changed this is my experience of what happens when i give you feedback yeah i ask you some questions like what's going on there is there is there anything i need to hear about how i'm giving you feedback that makes it difficult for you to respond to yeah. So my starting point would be to get curious about why is this feedback not from my perception going in? Is there anything I need to know about me or the situation that helps unlock that? A bit like your bloke with the folded arms. Yeah. Like yeah. if you'd gone, ah, oh, what like what I wish he wasn't here and written him off and everybody had written him yeah. off, you may never have had those arms unfold and him open up. Well, that, did, that also did happen to me. I had someone who was huffing and puffing at everything I said in a group of people that were really open. And I actually waited to lunch and I actually took them aside. And I actually just shared, I just said, look, I've left. Uh, most important thing to me is my family. I've come out here voluntarily to, to do this training. Like, what's like, what's just just let me know what the issue is. Is it is it my style? Is there anything I can do? Mm -hmm. and, open to me that she'd been told to come to the meeting and she wasn't even told what it was so i was like okay <laughs> so you've got no context right so we spent the break going through the context this is why we're here this is how we got here blah 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 by the end of it like absolutely engaged in everything but amazing i couldn't ignore it because it was starting to impact me as well because yeah. everyone i could see everyone was learning they're engaging but it would actually, there was almost sighing, like outwardly sighing. I was like, I can't ignore this. I need to go and have a one-on-one -on -one with this. But, and I just said, and this is probably maybe too much, it's probably too emotional, which I've been said before. I, I put the emotional bit on it, which is what I was thinking. I felt, I felt like I left my kids, didn't do the school run, 
uh, for you <laughs> and you don't want me to be here like you haven't given me a chance but she opened up to that and then that was fine um, and probably if I did it again I wouldn't have been as emotional about it but it definitely unlocked something between us that, that we could connect a yeah. lot. I love that though because because that that's everything is data right she was giving you feedback she was giving you information she was communicating something to you in in her behavior you named you approached her and named what you were seeing you shared how it made you feel you got curious about what what i'm trying to understand what it meant she she, she let you know her like that's that's a yeah. beautiful example of how everything is data how naming things and being explicit and acknowledging acknowledging naming verbalizing things is is really helpful um acknowledging your feelings her feelings and finding a solution i mean that's that's a really beautiful neat example of how this can all work yeah um well i've already over 10 minutes of your time karen so i'm just going to go towards okay. closing um i just want to talk about when i've had I don't mean positive or negative feedback where feedback has been done really well i feel when people have given me feedback and i've responded to it in the best way it's where that person has made it really clear that they care about me as mm. in they are giving me this feedback to help me mm. in some cases it is really explicit that i care about you Matt, and i want to help you but if even when it's not that explicit, it's it's delivered in a way that it's there to help. And the other example, I think we talked about this on the last podcast. For me, if I've got food on my face and you don't tell me about it, you're not a friend. If mm -hmm. you on that tube with like cabbage in my teeth and you saw that and you didn't tell me, I just I don't think we could continue our relationship, Aaron, as friends. <laughs> um, and that for me, that's 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 important part. Like, it, can we just bring out like what you think is in good feedback so that listeners can hear I, i'm just chipping that one at the beginning that you're giving the feedback to help the person it can be the extra level of care which i probably just emotionally needy and i need that um but i do think when people get it right it's really good because you can see that they're, they're coming to help uh, i think that's linked to psychological safety but let finish on a positive any any other tips on on how to do it in a really good way because we talked a lot of negatives today which have been important um, to understand but what would be be your tips on on, on that karen mm, i love that example you share so i would add to that that feedback needs to be grounded either in your your growth and well-being or mine yeah if it's not grounded in either of those things then all i'm doing is and then probably all I'm doing is moaning to you or having a go because I want to hurt you. So when I so your growth or mine might be um, so me saying, Matt, you've got cabbage in your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> or that when you I've no, you know, I know you want to get the most out of your presentations. And I've noticed that you start like this. And I think you'd get more out of it if you started like that. That's my perception of how yeah. people respond to it. Right. That's about your growth. Um, if it's about mine, it might be that thing we went we talked to earlier where it's like, I need to give you this feedback because I'm struggling to input into that meeting because I don't feel welcome in that space. That's about it's about you, but it's but it's grounded in it's grounded in my need for growth, safety, care. Yeah. 
Well, in, in my team, Joe Wedgwood did that. He's our creative director. If you've ever liked any of our creative stuff, like the pink and the yellow, all that stuff, that's Joe. And he gave me feedback that I need more detail when I brief him on stuff because I'll just get really excited and I'll be like, Joe, what about this? And blah, 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 blah. And Joe, in our 360 feedback, he was like, when you get your excited idea, write it down, put more mm. detail on it, then send it to me, let me reflect on it, and then we can chat. And it was just that just helped our relationship. But and yeah. it was about his growth but ultimately it's also about my growth as well but it, it was about his growth and but i that was great feedback to get yeah that's a great example that's a perfect example um so i think it needs to be grounded in in your growth or mine um it needs to be specific yeah um so good feedback is specific good feedback is not just that was shit or that was great yeah. or I don't like that if if that person uh, was it Joe said to you you don't write very good briefs for creatives there's nothing you can do with that yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So even I, if, for six years so I probably would have that we probably could have worked that through but uh, yeah I get, get your point <laughs> um so it needs to be specific um and I think name, this point about naming and acknowledgement is critical. So naming, we're, we're, I'm very visual. So I, I think of it like I'm standing on my, we've talked about football today, so I'm going to go with a football pitch. I'm standing on my football pitch, which is my life, my experience, my feelings, my beliefs, whatever my current context and focus of my life is. Um, that's the football pitch I'm standing on, right? Yeah. And I'm walking to the edge of that and I'm only seeing, you're standing on yours, but I am only seeing however much I can see at the time, right? Depending on the extent of our relationship, how much you share with me. But even if I know you my whole life and you share loads with me, I don't know what it's like to stand on your field, right? Yeah. So the naming of those boundaries of mine and my limitations in understanding yours creates a frame for that feedback to be safe so yeah. if i'm walking out to the edge of mine and and i'm saying okay i want to give you some feedback about how we how um how you show up in meetings yeah it would help for me to name like something like that's a meeting that i feel really comfortable in actually but i'm wondering how comfortable you feel in that meeting before I give this feedback about how how I perceive you, because because my perception of you is your external behaviours multiplied by my interpretation of them. Yeah, I don't know what it's like to be you. I have no idea how you feel. Even yeah. if you tell me, I'm still only getting what you choose to share and externalise, and yeah. I'm still running it through my my interpretation which is biased by my experience of the world. Yeah. So that naming and framing of like, um, naming my limitations, acknowledging that what you tell me about yours is true for you and I don't get to decide whether it's accurate or not. If you tell me that this is how you feel, I need to take that seriously and not try and apply my own language to that. And then yeah. I think the final point is this thing about consent. Yeah. Um, and aiming to work with consent 
or if consent is not possible because the feedback must be given in the interest of safety or well-being or you know because you just simply yeah for whatever that. reason there's a rule that it has to be shared consent as far as you possibly can allow people some control and choice as much as they possibly can even if there's elements that they can't have a choice about absolutely um and i suppose that a bit like a question bank there's even an alternative to that isn't it which is even if you have to give consent you can always start by asking consent but let's say it's a health and safety thing that's been broken let's let's say a, a, a lifeguard at a swimming pool has not been doing what they should do you can ask if you can give them feedback if they say no you can always say well i, I actually need to so you can always start with consent even if you had to because then if they say no then you can actually go well i actually this is actually a serious thing i need to so I suppose there's multiple routes of, of, of doing that, Karen, isn't there? Um, or would you not do that? Would you just go straight in and say, I need to give you this feedback if it was but, something like that? Health I and safety? Yeah, I, I personally, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to ask a, a question that has a yes or no answer if I'm not prepared to, to take a no. Great point. Yeah, great. Yeah, good advice. It's on me. It's on me to know before I ask the question whether I'm prepared to accept any of the options I've made available. Otherwise, yeah. I'm kind of if that's like going to buy a coffee. Do you want milk or oat milk? And then you say oat milk, and they're like, "We haven't got any." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that's a really good point. There's no point giving an option that's not. Yeah, it's not actually an option. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Look, I've taken enough of your time, Karen. This is incredible advice. I'm going to try and um just read back a couple of things that i've written down which i think are really fundamental for people to remember I've, I've if i've misinterpreted anything just say but all feedback is not equal it's important to consider the source of the feedback one one of the things i interpreted of your points i've actually wrote down self-awareness is important for feedback yeah um and that you didn't say those words but i that's what was the vision that was coming in my yeah. head that, that, right. was the, that was the lesson i that i took from it feedback needs to be uh specific work with consent where you can um, and naming and framing the feedback is incredibly important so we understand that people have different points of view um karen that's been so useful part two we may turn this into a trilogy in the future let's let's see what let's see what feedback send us feedback what you think on this um, yeah. but just wanted to say as ever i've learned so much but more, more importantly i've really enjoyed the conversation karen me too thank you so much for having me back and thank i you. want to do a trilogy Let's do it. <laughs> Cheers, Karen. All right. Thanks.